So I, I could sort of deal with that sort of thing. But at the same time, I was frustrated. And I got the film finished somehow. Uh, but it wasn't finished to the level that I'd want it to be finished. And um, there's a saying that films aren't, aren't uh, well, I guess there's a saying among directors that a film is never finished, it's just abandoned. And f for other directors, it's the film is never finished, they just finally take it away from you at some point. But no matter how the story goes, the director is usually left frustrated and not feeling that he's been able to complete his vision or it's been altered one way or another. And um, so later on I had the opportunity uh, when uh, we were thinking about reissuing the films for the 20th anniversary of Star Wars, of um, fixing them up. And I said, well, this is a great chance for me to experiment with a new technology and see if I can do the, the, the uh, prequels. Uh, and at the same time, fix a lot of things that I was really frustrated with first time around with Star Wars that I couldn't complete properly because I either didn't have enough mo time, money, or technology to do it with. And, um, and so that was a great experience for me. So the, the final version, now the DVD version of the films when they finally get out there, uh, will have uh, all of the um, nuances that I had been looking for when I first did the films. Once again, Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar, welcome to your special Star Wars Podcasting Day bonus show. Thank you all so much for being here and being supporters of the entire Star Wars podcasting uh, universe that exists out there. We would not be here without all of your support, and so we are happy to once again be another part, or excuse me, to be a contributor to Star Wars Podcasting Day. And this is your 2022 podcasting day bonus episode and we're going to talk about the 25th anniversary of the star wars special editions we're going to get into it we have a special conversation lined up uh kind of talking about our thoughts and feelings uh, our connection to the special editions when we saw them and and what we think works what we think doesn't it's, it's it should be a fun conversation and uh if all goes well you will hear me once again just like last year's pod uh, podcast day show with my brother mark who has, uh, is the person who has watched Star Wars with me the most in my life. So it'll be a good time to talk about Star Wars with him once again and to have him come and join the show once one more time. Um, I want to give a special, well, 
<laughs> that's not really a special shout out to anything. I just want to remind everybody, if you're a new listener, you can find us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandoVisionTom, gmail.com. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. Uh, so yeah, welcome aboard. You heard what we used at the opening of the show. We had a sound clip from the creator himself, from George Lucas, on sort of what drove him, what motivated him to do the special editions, uh, to kind of be able to go back in uh, and, and, and kind of get to things he wished he could have done in 1977, uh, and to also sort of test technology for the prequels. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into our, a little bit more into that in our conversation. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to do with you all is, is I, you know, we are, I like to think that we are a, a, a Star Wars podcast that um, welcomes all sorts of different ideas and thoughts and opinions to the conversation. And it's, it's hard to talk about the original trilogy uh, without, without taking into consideration the input of, of Gary Kurtz who was uh, Lucas's producer on, on Episode 4 and Episode 5. Uh, Gary left uh, for Return of the Jedi. He did not stay on board other than maybe some initial uh, pre-production stuff because uh, George wanted to change the script in ways that he didn't agree with. Uh, so, so Gary Kurtz left uh, Return of the Jedi, so he didn't see through the original trilogy. Um, but he was there for a lot of the really important uh, moments of, of kind of shaping the original Star Wars trilogy, especially the first two films. Uh, so uh, back in 2015, he was interviewed, and this was a, a few years, I think, before you, he ended up passing away. Uh, and, and he kind of talked about the special editions. Uh, and, and if you know a little bit of the history between George and Gary, um, well, it's, I wouldn't say it's anim, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a relationship full of like animosity. Uh, they are creatively different. They are, they are kind of creatively opposed. And, and so I wanted to present... Uh, what Gary thinks about the special editions when he had the opportunity to, to view them. Uh, this does run for a, a, a couple minutes. I want to say two, maybe two and a half minutes long, maybe a little bit longer than that. But uh, go ahead and listen to Gary talk about the special editions, and then uh, we'll come back here before we get into the show proper, okay? There were a lot of things we couldn't do in 1977 <clears throat> uh, that he could do later. Um, but... I think that the problem is, is probably more fundamental than that, that a film is a product of its time and conditions. All of the, time, all of the conditions that we had in 1977, the constraints of money, the constraints of time, and everything else created that original film, and it was released in that format. I'm not a big fan of, of changing films after they're released. Um, I know it's, it's very common practice now, especially with DVD releases, to, to make the film a lot longer. Uh, add a lot of things in that couldn't be in the theatrical release or change things. I think all of those are a mistake. Maybe on the DVD it doesn't make any difference, but for, th for a theatrical release, I, don't, I think you have to let it go. You know, Jean Renoir said at one time uh, that he, he learned from, from his father that uh, the sign of a good artist is knowing when you're done. You don't want to damage the work by continuing to work on it beyond the point in which it's good. And knowing when that is, is, is difficult sometimes. Um, so I, I don't like the tinkering process. I think it's a mistake. Um, it's okay if the films don't have everything that you wanted to, to put in them. Um, I think the, the annoying thing about some of the Star Wars stuff is that um, 
some of the things that are, are in there are, are too much. You know, I think if at the time we had had the capacity and the technology to be able to do some of those things, it would have been uh, more than was in the original, but a lot less than was in the special editions. So it's a, that's a, a creative judgment on, based on, on kind of the moment. And, uh, but the scene I object to the most is probably the um, Jabba the Hutt scene, uh, because we had technical difficulty shooting that scene originally, and that character was going to be a, a human being. And we shot it three different times, and then we had camera problems and other damage to the negative and things, so we abandoned it. But in that process, we put all the information in that scene into the Greedo scene in the cantina. So if you listen carefully, you'll, see, you'll hear that the dialogue is essentially the same. The story material that you get in that scene is what, you've all, what, what you get in the Greedo scene. So from a dramatic point of view, the scene is totally unnecessary. Um, and the finished film is better without it, I think. Uh, also, because, Greed, uh, because um, Jabba is this giant slug rather than a human being, the sight lines are a bit odd. Um, the position of the characters, if, if, if that had been the way the original scene was going to be shot, it would have been shot differently. Um, so it's, there are lots of problems with that scene. I just don't like it. I, I, I wince every time I, I've seen it. Um, so it's, it's just a good example of, of, a, of a film not needing it because we've, we made an adjustment to allow for not using it by putting the material somewhere else. So um, I'm, I'm not a fan of the, of the fixes, unless they're, they're just odd things, you know, adding a few more spaceships into the attack on the Death Star doesn't affect the story in any way. Or in Empire, cutting some holes in the walls of the set and showing windows out so you can see part of the, uh, of the Cloud City, fine. Those kind of things are perfectly acceptable in, in, the, in that process. Or having a, an extra shot of the Millennium Falcon landing or taking off because we have the time to do it now. Uh, those don't interfere with the, the story structure, but uh, some of the, the stuff, especially in Star Wars, did seem to interfere with a bit of the story. So that's Gary Kurtz right there. Like I said, one of the one of the architects that kind of helped shape uh, Star Wars: A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back to to the the versions that we we saw. Um, and there was an episode when when Gary passed away where I sort of talked a bit more about um, what he brought to the, the the entire production so i don't want to go into that too much we may talk about that in our conversation here on the other side but again i i wanted to present that that piece of that interview uh to kind of show the contrast to lucas's approach to the special editions where uh he you know he feels like it's it's a-okay to keep tinkering and and kurtz is very much like no 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 it's 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 good right now stop um so Again, if you know Gary and George's relationship, that, that's pretty on brand for both of them. But again, I suspect we will talk about that on, excuse me, in the conversation. So let's go ahead and get into our conversation. Again, this is our special Star Wars Day bonus episode, so we're doing things a little bit differently today. Um, and for our bumper, we're going to go ahead and just play the trailer for the special edition that came out. Uh, gosh, I guess it must have been in '96 when this when this trailer first dropped, uh, and and uh, the next thing that dropped was my jaw onto the floor when I saw it after we downloaded it 
Um, I think we had like a 56K modem at the time. So it, it took a hot minute to get that thing downloaded. But we did eventually. And then we rejoiced. So it's that time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. Now, for its 20th anniversary, the adventure of a lifetime returns to the big screen in a way you've never seen before. There'll be no one to stop us this time. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. With newly enhanced visual effects. They're coming in too fast! THX and digital sound. And a few new surprises. On President's Day weekend, 1997, George Lucas and 20th Century Fox invite you to welcome back Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2. Finally, the motion picture event, the way it was meant to be experienced. This will be a day long remembered. As the entire Star Wars trilogy returns. On February 14th, Star Wars, followed soon after by The Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi. Move closer! For a whole new generation who have yet to experience it on the big screen. And for everyone else to experience it again. The Star Wars Trilogy, Special Edition. See it again, for the first time. The Force will be with you, always. Hey, all right, joining us all the way from Los Angeles, California, a, a mere, what, two and a half, three hours up the road from me. My brother Mark is here, the only other person... Well, I guess the only person who's watched Star Wars probably as many times as I have. I mean, you watched the, the vast majority of my life. We watched it together. That's exciting. Uh, in, in distant second place is our good friend Reagan, but it's a very distant second place. So, my brother Mark, how are you doing? Welcome aboard, sir. Howdy. <laughs> Howdy. Only your second appearance on Mandivision, but you are a podcast veteran. You've been on the TomCast podcast many, many a time, and uh, 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 at least once on the Come On, It's So Good podcast, if that memory serves. Yes. Well, we are here. <laughs> I, I love it. I love did it. You need, did you want me to elaborate? No, you're fine. Don't worry. <laughs> we are here because we are, we are sort of commemorating the 25th anniversary of the Star Wars Special Editions this year. Uh, obviously, I believe it was January, President's Day weekend, if memory serves, uh, when, when uh, Star Wars A New Hope Episode four was re-released as a special edition, and then uh, I don't remember the exact dates, but you know, roughly four to six weeks later was 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 Empire Strikes Back, followed by Return of the Jedi, back in theaters with updated effects and sounds and and all kinds of extra things, and and uh, I'm sort of wondering, I'm hoping you can take me back 25 years ago because I don't remember 
if you and I saw these together in a theater or not. D- do you? I think we saw the first one together. Okay. Because I, I sort of have two... I, I have a memory of the first... Of seeing A New Hope, special edition. I saw it twice in one day. And I... I I think I saw it the first time alone. <laughs> like, I went to like a morning show by myself or something. And then in the evening, a bunch of us went together, if memory serves. I think you went to that morning show with me. Oh, okay. All right. And you just don't remember. All right. I, I know I went to, like, dude, it's 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing it, like I said, twice in one day. Uh, uh, yeah, you and I seeing it in the morning makes a ton of sense, though. So th- that does make sense. Uh, and and this was the first time for both you and I to see Star Wars Episode Four in theaters. So yes. this this is pretty exciting, right? Yeah. You know, the, we we came into the trilogy. The first time we saw a, a, a Star Wars in, in theaters was '83 when we saw Return of the Jedi uh, back in Wheaton Plaza back in the day. And that's what I've heard. <laughs> you were young, that's for yes. sure. <laughs> so so to get to see Star Wars, we were really excited. You know, we, we, we played the clip of the, the audio of the trailer uh, that they released in 96. And I don't know, like, what was what was sort of like your recollections of, of the cinema experience seeing this for the first time with these updated effects? I mean, because you and I grew up on the VHSs, you know, yeah. t- TV screenings on, on like ABC or whatever network. Uh, and then... Just repeated viewings on VHS over and over again, wearing out that cassette tape. So, what yeah. w- what was your sort of impression checking this out for the first time in theaters? I thought it was great. I had a I had a blast with it. It was a lot of fun. I saw I saw each one in theaters multiple times. Um, I thought it was great. I I wholeheartedly agree. Some of the changes were uh, interesting. I, I guess is the best way. There's only one that I really butted up against. But it was so exciting to get to see the trilogy back in theaters again for the first time. And, you know, I shared that interview with you that, that George Lucas did where he was, you know, he sort of admits that, like, he wanted to put these out there for a new generation, but he also wanted to kind of, like, test the technology as he was kind of gearing up to, to get the prequels going. Right. So it, it, it was sort of a good test run on things like that. Um. I, I just remember being so excited that we were going to get to see Star Wars in, in, in a theater because, like, you know, like that trailer says, I mean, we were used to watching it on, like, the small, tiny, tiny TVs. Yeah. And we were about to go to a cinema, widescreen format, THX sound, uh, you know, updated. Uh, 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 the, the sound effects being updated is probably one of my, my favorite improvements in the entire thing because it just sounded so good. That sound quality improvement was was so spectacular. I'm not a good judge of sound quality. No, oh, okay, fair enough. That's true. That's true. You have okay, fair enough. Y- yes, I, because you, you, of, I'm deaf in one ear. So there it that, is. There it is. That's why I wasn't I sure hear, if I should put it out there. <laughs> I hear everything in glorious mono. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the 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 improved sound effects, the updated special effects, um, were were glorious. And then, especially in the in the first film, in Episode Four, uh, Lucas made a lot of uh, what he considered improvements, what some fans consider not improvements, to that original film that that it, people in our our age group love so much. You know, growing up on the VHS, right? Yeah. Uh, and some of those ones, some of those changes I want to talk about in in particular, uh, I want to talk about 
Moss Eisley in general. Okay. Did you like the changes to Moss Eisley? Did you like did you like seeing it as a more bustling spaceport? Did you or did you enjoy the original sort of take on it where it was a sort of rundown kind of spaceport for you know the 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 scrum bugs of the galaxy? Um my younger self I think would have preferred the special edition version, but mm-hmm. I think as I've gotten older, um no, I definitely I prefer the original version now, the kind of the um the the desert shanty town. Yeah. You know, like it it, it fits the whole western and in space aesthetic so well. Yeah, I think I that's that's one of the changes that I'm sort of like on the fence about. Like I definitely appreciate what they did with that with with sort of turning Moss Eisley into into sort of like the bustling spaceport that they they sort of conveyed it to be. Uh yeah. and considering what we've seen from Star Wars in the intervening years, I was like, oh, it it makes more sense uh to have it sort of be like this. Um but on the other side of the coin, I see exactly where you're coming from. Sort of yeah. like the more sort of, sort of a Sergio Leone, uh, desolate outpost on the edge of the frontier kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see and that. What's that? I, I can totally see that. Like, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, and, you know, it. it's just a matter of personal preference. It's It's not something that rubs up against me. It's just kind of, but, you know, if I watch it now, I'm like, eh, I liked it the original way better, but it's it's not one of the changes they made that is horrible or greatly benefits the film either. Yeah, I'm, I'm I I guess I don't want, I don't know if ambivalence the right word I want to use, but I I watch the special editions now and I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever, it's fine. You got like the Ronto and the Speeder and and the you know you can see the Outrider taking off, you know, from That's Shadows right. of the from Shadows of the Empire if you remember the Outrider. Yes, I remember that was a very big deal at the time. <laughs> For those of us who enjoyed Shadows of the Empire at the very least. <laughs> yeah, I think all I enjoyed at that point was the comic and watching you play the video game. On that sweet N64 we had. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you had to have like a graphics enhancement chip in your N64 to make that one work better, if memory serves. That might have been for Goldeneye. I can't remember now. It's all hazy. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, that was one of the changes. I was like, oh, the, and, and it was sort of like the first big change you see visually in Star Wars. I mean, up to that point, when you're watching Episode Four in the special edition theaters, it was, um, you know, they they kind of cleaned it up, right? They cleaned it up. I think there's a an extra shot of the uh, the sand crawler in there. Yeah, and you get more of the stormtroopers on dewbacks and things like that. Like, but like kind of yeah. smaller changes. That was kind of the first big one, right? Yeah, yeah, and and then it, that sort of gravi- uh, graduates into Greedo shooting first. The most controversial, everyone's favorite change, right? And it's it's sort of interesting though because as as I sort of have since doing the Mandavision podcast. I have been immersing myself in in uh, the Star Wars podcasting world, the Star Wars social media world, and uh, it's been very interesting because a person of my age bracket has a very different opinion of that sequence than than uh, people whose first time experiencing Star Wars was the special editions. You know, who 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 thought so little little of it. 
So it's, mm-hmm. it's it's I feel like Greedo shooting first has become sort of become like uh, an old man, you know, shaking his fist at the clouds kind of scenario. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> doesn't mean it's wrong either. <laughs> no, exactly. It, it's still the one thing I butt up against, and it's the one thing that I feel like Disney slash Lucasfilm still can't get right because they changed it only two years ago again for like the third or fourth time. You know, McClunky. McClunky, exactly. And like now that scene is just McClunky itself. It is super clunky and weird and I mean, awkward. It, it's always been clunky. It looked clunky when we first saw it in 1997. Right. And I know that they they put out another special edition. What? Like right? It's like 2004, right, right, right around the DVD release, the initial DVD release, I think. Yes, you know, yeah. where they put Hayden Christensen's head on uh, on Anakin's old man body and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, yeah, and I know, like, they tried to clean it up there, and it was like, yeah, it looks better, but it still doesn't look good. I mean, it literally looks like Harrison Ford's head pops off his body for a frame, like, I don't, like Terrence and Phillips style, and I, I don't know. Well, l- let me ask you this, and and again, this is this may be a, a challenging question, uh, but for but for someone again of our of our certain age, uh, w- what did that change for you as far as the, the way you viewed Harrison Ford as, as far as you viewed Han Solo, right? You know, because the 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 argument was always like from Lucas himself was like, oh, it makes Han less of a cold blooded character. Uh, I disagree with that. How do you feel about it? I like his cold-bloodedness, so I just think, what's wrong with that? Why Why reduce it? Simple. Why even try? Simple yet eloquent. I, I, I enjoy that. Yeah, I, I was always a fan of the of, of Han shooting first, of Han kind of having the upper hand on Greedo, kind of like knowing that this is how it was going to end anyway, so like, let's just get to the point. Yeah, <laughs> and I I still enjoy that that version of it the most. Um, but again, I, I I freely admit, maybe this this is just something limited to those of us who grew up with it on VHS and have watched it ten billion times. I just if you want to say Greedo fired first, I I mean that. The idea of itself, I don't have a problem with the idea of it. It's always the execution for me, right. and at least in, in this matter. Is it just it looks bad. It's always looked bad, and it always will look bad because the that's movie not, wasn't shot that way. Yeah, that's not how they filmed it. I agree. And that that's why it's always going to look that way. You can re- replace Harrison Ford with a CG Harrison Ford so that he does move properly, and it's still not going to look right. But you can distract the audience with Greedo yelling McClunky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That way, the fanboys get upset even before it happens. Yeah, for for a totally different, unrelated reason. <laughs> what I think is great about it is I feel like it's kind of Lucas trolling everyone. He's like, "Oh yeah, you don't like that? Well, how do you like this?" <laughs> it's just so weird. They keep trying to figure out ways to adjust it and make it. And, and like justify it in new ways. It, I feel like it's the one thing. It's just like you know what you did it. Can you just leave it alone at this point? But again, that's what, like I feel like there is actual validity to the theory that Lucas keeps tampering with it because he knows how much 
people hate it. Right, but at the same time, like how much how much say does he have on things now? I mean, he sold stuff to Disney. As far as I know, he's been out since like what? Whenever that sale went through, 2012, that's 2013. True. That's true. I'm, that's true. I'm blaming Lucas. Uh, but yeah, maybe it was Disney. But why would Disney do that? Because they're trying to make everybody happy. I don't, you know, I don't know. So they, I, okay. I mean, Dis- Disney serves a different set of masters than Lucas ever did. Yeah, but I just think that if Disney was going to try to make everyone happy, they would just make it the way it originally was. Right, but at this point, I mean, again, there's like at least two generations now that have grown up on the special editions. Uh, are you really making everyone happy if you're really only just making like the old farts like us happy? There, uh, yeah, I, and, I don't and, know. You know, right. most old people don't know how social media works, so we can't complain about it as, as easily because we don't know how to do a, go on a TikTok video and do stuff. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like those young kids on the TikTok, they get way, they got way more likes than I ever get. So yeah. you know they're, they're they're probably the audience that Disney's more worried about than me. Probably. Uh, that that leads us to the next big big change in in episode four, uh, which is which is uh, the inclusion, the reinsertion of the Jabba the Hut scene uh, with a, with a CGI Jabba the Hut replacing the the uh, the fat. Irish actor they had, Irish or Scottish, I can't remember. That was that was originally going to be in there. Uh, why they figured out how they're going to make that shot work in VF, VXF. Uh, how does that Jabba scene play for you? It's horrible. <laughs> I think it's you know, I, like you said, you had sent me some some interviews and stuff, and I mean, I think I think the little bit you sent me of Gary Kurtz talking about that scene, I think he's he's dead on with it just being a reiteration of all the information that we got from the Greedo scene. And it's just, it's completely unnecessary. And the only reason it's there is because one Lucas wanting to see what he can do with the technology for the, for the prequels. And so that I guess we can get Boba Fett into all three of the original trilogy movies. No, I think that's a very valid argument. I, for me, this I, I, I honestly don't mind the scene that much. I agree with everything that Gary Kurtz says 100%. Uh, but the scene doesn't, doesn't bump me the way that I know it does some folks. Uh, and again, like, like Gary said, you know, it's all dialogue that we got in the Greedo exchange. And you get like that little, little Boba Fett bump of him kind of like looking at the camera and being like, hey, Boba Fett, right here, bitches. I'm right here. Terrible. <laughs> well, the, the, there is sort of like this weird subliminal thing going on with the, with the uh, with the special editions, where it's like, hey, you know what? We're gonna give Boba Fett like an extra ten seconds of screen time. Yeah, that's when the people go crazy. It made some people go crazy. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk about Return of the Jedi later. Don't worry. Well, the other thing I want to say about the the Java scene is I also think it spoils the reveal of Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi. You know, because we hear about Jabba the Hutt in the first two movies and we never see him, so he's this kind of looming threat. It's Mm -hmm. something that we haven't seen before. And then we see him in Return of the Jedi and it's like, what? He's this giant, gross space slug? And I think that's so great, but... But with it the way it is, 
you know, kind of spoils that. But that being said, that's I that's thinking about it only as Star Wars as a single trilogy because obviously we see Jabba in the Phantom Menace. So if you're going to watch all the films, then yeah, it's already been spoiled for you, I guess. Well, and I guess, you know, I guess the thing that I'm okay with it about is like there's sort of a, a progression with Jabba and his sort of girthiness, right? Right. You know, at, at that point in, in, in A New Hope, he's still mobile. Like he's still getting around on his own power. By the time we catch up with him in Jedi... Like he's he's kind of let himself go, if you will. That's true. You know, so he's he's on his dais. He's not doing much. He's got he's got slave girls dancing around him. But he's he's not. He's just kind of like he's that guy in the he's that white guy in the club just moving his arms back and forth. He can't really do anything else. That's all he's doing. He's uh, is that what they call living your best life? <laughs> I guess it depends who you ask. <laughs> At least by Jabba standards, he is living his best life. I, I think mean, so. Yeah. You know, in, in, I guess if you want to sort of contextualize it with uh, with all the other canon introductions they've had, uh, in the comic books recently, uh, they, they sort of redid Shadows of the Empire with a new event called the War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, and in that, Jabba has sort of orchestrated the death of the Hut Council, so now he sort of like rules all the huts by himself. Okay. So you can kind of sort of see how, like, maybe he's, like, again, like you said, living that best life and just, you know, living it to the hilt because there's no there's no one keeping him in check anymore. He's, like, the supreme hut now. Yeah. So it does kind of it does kind of work in that sense, I think. All right. So, you know, again, again, of, of all the scenes, that's the one I bet up against the least in A New Hope. And then the the last scene from A New Hope I wanted to bring up with you, I think, is the one that no one will argue against. Which is the enhancements, the, the the VFX used, the CGI to make the battle on the Death Star just that much better. Yeah, I mean you can't it, you you can't argue against those improvements. No, no, you you can't. It makes it makes the scene a lot more exciting, and you know I I think. Um, um, losing the right words here, but 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 appropriate. Uh, you know, it looks like a, a proper space battle. The only, um, I guess, the only criticism of it might be is that they could have gone even farther and had even more spaceships. Sure, but they're they're still trying to hold true to the to the film itself. But the fact that they, they were able to t- kind of like take the original battle, I- enhance it visually and graphically. Uh, and, but also kind of speed things up so it looked like the, those X-Wings were really moving. Those TIE Fighters were really moving across the screen. It was yeah. one of my favorite added elements to that thing, to, to, that, that, to that sequence, I should say. So I, yeah. I did really, really uh, uh, take some, some joy in that, in that climactic third act of A New Hope. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I lo- I, I, when I, when I, I, so I have in my possession... The, the DVD releases from, like, I think it was 2006, maybe 2007. That was yeah. like a new, the newest version of the special editions. But they also came with a second bonus disc that was like the unaltered, uncleaned up versions of the original films for yes. New Hope and Empire and Jedi. Uh, yeah. And they are like one of my most prized possessions because, like, they're the only officially released DVD copies of the old trilogy. Right. 
I, 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 it's a strong word, but the third act of the original movie is almost unwatchable now compared to what they did in the special edition, I think. I disagree with that. I think you, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, you, you can just, watch it, it, but it's just so slow, man, compared to what they did. You're, I'm, you're not, you're not wrong about that, <laughs> but I think it's, how do I say it? I just, I, you, you have to understand when the film was made and, and, and what the technology was and, and put it in that context and, and understand that like, yeah, it's, it's, it's slow compared to what, what came later. But I mean, this is the movie that made all that technology come later. A, a thousand percent agree with you. I, I completely understand. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm really just talking as like an audience member, right? Like that's that's why I have the Kurtz interview in there with the Lucas interview, like because Kurtz, uh, when I'm at my most most practical, me, I'm Gary Kurtz. (laughs) So I I I totally understand what 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 you're saying, but I'm just saying as an audience member, like I want that special edition version. I'm like that one's pretty gold. Yeah, and and I mean even Gary Kurtz said he didn't have a problem with right. Adjusting the battle of Yavin. Yeah, because you're not you're not with messing with the story, and and yeah. that that's always sort of been what, what I'm most sacrosanct about. You know, I, as much as I like, I, I I enjoy the Java scene, but I I I cop to everything that Gary Kurt says. Like it's redundant information. We got it all from the Greedo scene. Yeah, yeah, and so with the with the original Battle of Yavin, it's like yeah, the the newer version is better, but I still like watching the old version as well and and watching the kind of raw filmmaking of it and maybe maybe it's also because i'm i'm a fan of thx 1138 and there are some similarities between how that was shot and and the death star run so i mean don't get me wrong it like like you said i mean it's still very impressive filmmaking for its time i mean like they were doing things that nobody else was doing they're using models in ways no one else was using uh, right. The camera work, the the micro cameras, the smaller ones they were using to like run across the Death Star trenches. I mean that that stuff's off the charts. Yeah, you know they were they were pioneering stuff. They didn't have any, didn't have any idea. It was awesome. Yeah. So, I, I think by and large it, it's fair to say that A New Hope was the one that was most dramatically changed. But for you and I who had never seen A New Hope in cinemas, I mean that, that was an amazing experience and. I, I I hold no I really don't hold any ill will to the special editions at all. Like yeah, there's a couple things I don't like in each one, but by and large, I still like them, right? You feel the same? No, they're they're great. You know. I, I, I don't yeah, I, I don't really have a problem with them. Like you said, there may be some things I don't like that are maybe kind of nitpicky or whatever, but yeah, like another thing you know we didn't mention it, but uh, the, like the sequence in the Death Star where, where Han's chasing after the stormtroopers, and they chain, oh yeah yeah and they alter that that where he enters like a, like a, like a cargo bay or whatever, and there's like a hundred stormtroopers in there, like that's yeah. a good improvement. Like that's all stuff that works. I I actually will say because because I watched an, a New Hope not that long ago, and I will say when I saw that shot again, I was like, oh that didn't look good. Oh really? 
Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that looks bad. <laughs> well, I can't talk about that. That, I that can't looks say like something. Sure. I was like, that looks like something they added in after the fact. Well, they did just for the right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, a, f- a month or two goes by, month or so, month and a half, whatever it is, goes by and Empire comes out as a special edition. And I feel like in Empire, the yeah. biggest changes were were the Wampa and Bespin, right? Going to Cloud City. Yeah. What did you think of the changes with the Wampa? You got to see more of the Wampa early on. There's a little bit less of the sort of like Jaws, uh, you know, you only see a little bit of it or only flashes of it. This time you see the Wampa right out from the beginning. Yeah. How'd you feel? Um... I love seeing it. I love that it's mowing down on a on a tauntaun beef bone. Yeah, buddy. But yeah, I think it kind of kills the suspense. I think you're right. I think it looks really good, but I yeah. sort of like that dramatic tension of like, oh, here's this lumbering beast that we haven't quite seen all of just just like in flashes. Yeah, you know. Uh, but again, it's not one that I bump up against. It's 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 like it's fine, okay, cool. You want to do that version of it? All right, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And then with Cloud City, uh, uh, these are changes that again, uh, I, I I hate to kind of keep referring back to it, but the the, the Kurtz interview we included in the podcast, um, where he talks about like, oh yeah, you're just gonna remove walls and then put like some CGI background so you see more of Bespin. Great, looks good. I was okay with all of it. Um, I agree with the idea of it, but I think a lot of it doesn't look that good, especially the, um, I think, I think there's one where it's like, uh, the, the added windows are, are, are on the, the right side of the frame and, and Princess Leia is running and shooting and so's Lando. I, I don't know. It's like, it doesn't look good. So, I mean... I think in some places, um, in some places it's fine, but in other places it it still needs to be kind of cleaned up a little bit. So, w- when you're watching these, are you watching them on Disney Plus or are you watching them on something else? Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Because I feel like on Disney Plus it, they've looked pretty good, but but maybe maybe it's just me. It still looks wonky to me, and and like. You know, like I said, I, I agree with the idea of uh, it's a city in the clouds. We want to open it up because um, it because when when I do go back to the original Empire Strikes Back and and see those scenes, it does feel a little claustrophobic. Um, but but that said, it probably wouldn't feel that claustrophobic if we hadn't seen the special editions. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how. I, I feel like Empire, the Empire Special Edition, kind of is is the most pointless of all three. I think that's fair because it's it, it's the one that's the it's the least altered. Yeah, and that sort of supports my argument that it's the closest of the original trilogy to, to like being perfect. Right, but. That's just me, and I, I'm I'm a slave to Empire. I, I love that movie so so dearly. Well, uh, and I think that that's the problem, though, is that Empire is Empire Strikes Back is a perfect movie. So, what are you making any changes to it for in the first place? Uh, but kind of like enough. what Gary Kurtz said, you can't re-release these movies without promising something new. 
Yeah, and again with Empire, you really don't get that much new, right? I mean, again, the the cleaning up of the of the of the film, like yeah. the, the updated visual uh, VFX, the updated sound effects, you know, putting in THX, the movie sounds and looks better than it ever has, and and that's that's important, you know, like restoring these movies. Uh, is is an important aspect of of their legacy, right? You know, you want to preserve these for future generations. So yeah, clean them up, up upgrade them, upscale them into like whatever the next best, the newest format is, uh, so that people can t- continue to respect them for what they are instead of being like, you know, something that's just kind of like fallen by the wayside, it, like, right. like like so many older movies have. Uh, yeah. So so it it the, the special editions were were a really big deal. And and the, the, I will talk about one negative element to Empire, the in the initial special release, special edition, but has since been removed, and I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about Luke Skywalker, as he elects not to join Darth Vader, and it chooses to sacrifice himself by 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 jumping off that sort of uh what do we, balcony patio ledge I don't know. Balcony, yeah. What was that like? A reactor or something? I'm, yeah, I don't he's even only know that, that, was supposed that to be. little outpost thing jutting out yeah. in the middle of nothing. Uh, and and rather than take Vader's offer to join him to rule the galaxy as father and son, he self sacrifices and and jumps down the the chasm. Right. Uh, right. So they added in a yell, which yeah. which I have read is a modulated version of Palpatine's yell from Return of the Jedi. So it's not even Mark Hamill. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they just they, just, they took they took Palpatine's yell, modulated it and made it Luke's yell. And I'm like, "Wait a second, that sort of like undermines the self-sacrifice part of he's screaming on his way to his demise or his seeming right. demise." Uh but they have removed that since. So I don't even have an argument about that anymore. But yeah. it it was at the time a little jarring when I saw it back in like 97. Yeah. It- wasn't a good choice and um it didn't sound good either no it sure didn't and then the other little change they made uh was an empire they <laughs> again one of these weird promises that you know we read about in in like star wars insider or in like one of our, our, our magazines that we subscribed to at the time uh like wizard or, or hero or whatever with like oh the star the empire strikes back special edition, special edition is going to have more darth vader in it and it was like Weird things like him telling, like some imperial guy, like, "Hey, prepare my shuttle. I'm going back to my ship. Yo, get ready." And then, then it's like a cut scene, like a deleted scene from Jedi that they interpose into it. And I go, "What? What? That's Admiral Jezrod. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's not that's not Admiral Piet. I know what's going on." Right. Yeah. They. Yeah. They changed what was the line when he's leaving Cloud City. It used to be that he just said, "Bring me my shuttle." Bring me my shuttle. Yeah, yeah. And, they and now it. he says, "Alert my star destroyer to prepare for my arrival." Right. And it's this very—it it just doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like James Earl Jones. It just—it's it, it, extra metallic. You know, they just kind of. And it's sort of it, need, it's sort of needless. It doesn't really serve any purpose. Like no, like, absolutely. Again, right. like the Boba Fett in in. A New Hope is like it's like you're giving Vader like what like three or four extra seconds of screen time. Who cares? Yeah, like you're n- yeah. you're not uh, you're not providing new context for this character. Who gives a no. shit? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Damn it! <laughs> I don't curse in this podcast, Mark. That was your fault. Oh, okay. 
I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to Return of the Jedi because I think that one is the next one that had some more uh, serious, quote unquote, improvements slash modifications to it. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the er- the opening sequence, right? Like at Tatooine at Jabba's palace. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about first about the inclusion of a musical number, the Jedi let's, Rocks song. Let's not. So, let's pretend that doesn't exist. I'm with you. I'm not a fan of this, this sequence, of this inclusion. I like the original, uh, uh, you know, Max Rebo and his band and Sias Noodles, the original song whose name is eluding me at the moment, uh, but they replaced it with this kind of like big sort of musical number in the middle well, not the middle, but like at the towards the beginning of Return of the Jedi, that yeah. to me still feels out of place. It's very out of place, and I think I think I remember seeing interviews with George Lucas saying he's like, ah, you know, I just thought it'd be funny to kind of do a little musical number in a Star Wars film. And it's like, yeah, great thinking, Jackass. <laughs> wow, strong words for George Lucas for the creator himself. I I love George Lucas, but you know I I think over the last twenty five years he hasn't shown the best judgment. Yeah, I, it, it's not my favorite sequence. I still enjoy the original one. I, I and and maybe that's because I have sort of this 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 um I just have massive appreciation for for Jim Henson and and all the puppet work that went yeah. into, into the movies. So what they did in eighty three for Jedi, I think was so good and so impressive. And then to kind of like be like, ah, you know what? We're just going to replace it all with CGI now. And I was like, oh, that's not as cool. You know, the the thing is, is like it just it it just detracts from the story. There's just there's there's no purpose to it. Like this is supposed to be, you know, some dirty lounge somewhere, and this is just the music playing in the background. Right. You don't need to call any more attention to it than you do with like the few shots of the guy on the the blue guy on the pian- piano and Max the, Rebo Max Rebo and Cy Cy it's Cy right Cy is a singer yeah. yeah yeah like you don't need any more than that I, it, no, it, I, it's it's just a distraction yeah it's it's not my favorite thing but I you know as I've kind of gotten older and I end up watching the special editions either on TV or on Disney Plus or or whatever. Like I'm, I'm not as adamant against it as I used to be, and I've talked to enough younger people, like I said, who grew up with the special editions as their their trilogy, and that they're like, oh no, that's I love that, that's great. I'm like, okay, well I, I'm not going to begrudge you that, you know. It's like I like my version, you can like your version. I got no problem with that. That's cool. I guess. I <laughs> I work with a lot of younger people, so I have to have these interactions and be like. I'm I'm not going to detract from anyone's Star Wars enjoyment by being like, oh, my version is better than your version. No, and yeah, I mean, you don't even have to be younger. But you know, I I've I have a friend who I mean, he's a little bit younger than me, but not much. Only a couple of years younger. You know, he his first experience with Star Wars, he had never seen it until he went to see the special editions in theaters. So mm-hmm. that's the that's what he knows, and so. When I've shown him the the originals, he's just kind of like, "Wait, what? What? What's this?" <laughs> <laughs> I know, I get it, I get it, I totally get it. And then throughout that sequence, 
uh, much like in A New Hope, this is where they decided they're going to add more Boba Fett footage, right? Like, hey, we're going to get yeah. Boba Fett more screen time. Yeah. That, you know, like at the time, like, hey, more Boba Fett, that's cool. But, like, I don't know what he's doing. Like, there's no context or anything. Well, look, there, there's one shot of him that is completely useless. And it's just, <laughs> it's him walking in front of the camera for like, no reason. <laughs> it's, it's, it's during that musical number. But I am a fan of the shot of him hitting on the ladies. <laughs> I am okay with that. You can leave that in all day. No, again, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna knock any of it. I mean, like, I, I, I'm just like, I don't know what this really serves. Like, what does this really say about Boba Fett? But it's it's there. It exists. I guess we'll we'll, we'll go with it. Like, why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, from here, we go to the the, the next biggest change. Again, we're still on Tatooine. We're still in the opening of this movie. Uh, but I am, of course, referring to the changes made to the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. And I think at the time, if I can remember back to 97, which, again, is very challenging. Uh, I, I think initially I was like, oh, I don't know if I like the changes to the Sarlacc pit. But I think over time I grew to really appreciate and respect what they did because it made the Sarlacc pit much more of a living, functional organism. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. So why don't you tell me? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a I'm a little in indifferent to it. the The beak still doesn't look that good to me to mm-hmm. kind of justify it. Um, if they could make it a little more photo real, then I'm I'd be with them a hundred percent. But yeah, I mean it it, uh, it it makes it more of a character in the scene. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, I can... much much more of a, a participant, you know, making things happen, not just like an empty pit that people are falling into. Right. And and yeah, so I can I I'm I'm either way on that one. That it, it's a change that doesn't doesn't bother me that much. It's it's one of the changes that for me, again, as an older fan, like that that actually grew on me over time. I was like, Oh, you know what? The more I see this, the more I like it. And the way they sort of the way Star Wars media has kind of incorporated that version of the Star Sarlacc into other things, into other properties, uh, I think it's worked out really, really well. I know you don't play video games anymore, but they did a great Sarlacc in the the Fallen Order video game uh, that was that was glorious to behold on on the screen. I was like, oh my god, that's so impressive. So I I, I went along for the ride, and uh, I've come around on that one. Yeah, have they uh, have they flashbacked on? on Book of Boba Fett to Boba Fett blasting out of the Sarlacc or anything? They have. All right. I've been encouraging yeah. you to watch it, but uh, you haven't done it yet. It doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> That's for a different podcast. We'll talk later. <laughs> um, no, I definitely, I, I encourage you to watch it, but you know, I, I I'll, you, I'll, you know I'll, me, I'm in the bag for this, this stuff. You know me. I will eventually cave in and give it a give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. Be Kevin McAllister with the, with the macaroni and cheese, the frozen macaroni and cheese. Just give it a whirl. I will do. That's a Home Alone reference. Was it? Yeah, it, indeed it was. Okay, I didn't. I wasn't sure with the Kevin McAllister. And all. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I think for the final change I wanted to bring up for the special editions. Uh, is the tail end of Return of the Jedi, or the very end of Return of the Jedi. Uh, we get many uh, changes, especially in, in changes that have, have been altered more and more over the years. Initially, in 97, we got 
they removed the the Ewoks celebration Yubnub theme. How dare they? I know for the I think it was a I think I think for a John Williams score a piece called Celebration of Peace I think is the name of it. Um, sure. And, we, and in that we cut to different places in the galaxy. We cut back to Tatooine. We cut back to Bespin, uh, and then for the first time we cut to Coruscant, which was going to be yes. you know a central location for the prequel. So the first time we see the Imperial Center, we see statues of Palpatine being toppled. Which, which I I spoke to many people who they were not familiar with Coruscant. They had no idea what Coruscant was, and they just thought that was New York. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) Holy smokes. that you know they were just like what is that it's a big city it looks like new york so for i think for a lot of people they were just like what what's this again i mean we 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 talked about it lucas talks about it he's testing this technology for the prequels and i guess at this point by this point he was he had sort of ceded to to the 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 expanded universe that coruscant was imperial center and like I, I got to roll with this. Let's make it happen on the screen. And I think he was testing it. But yeah, I, I think if you're not in the know, then you didn't know. But I've never heard it compared to New York. I, I mean, why not? I mean, Coruscant very much is. It, it's, it's just city stacked upon city. So, I, I mean, especially if you're an American, that, you know, you're going to think of New York City when you see something like that. I suppose. I just, the, the idea that, that people are like, oh, hey, it's uh, New York and Star Wars. Cool. I don't. I don't think they act. I, I, I don't want to. To. I don't think they actually thought it was New York, but they were just like, "Oh, it looks like New York." Like I don't know what this is. This just looks like a big city. What does that mean to me? Well, and then it was. It was later changed again in in I think two thousand four for the DVD release. They incorporated Naboo into that sequence. Yes. Yeah, you know, we saw Gungans and and uh, the Naboo. <laughs> celebrating that's and, who everyone wants to check in on yeah yeah and then then you get like the the biggest change to the end and other than yub nub which don't get me wrong i love me some yub nub okay because that yeah. one's that one stings to this day not having yub nub at the end yeah which i get right. is i which again i i understand yub nub is 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 very ewok centric right like you're celebrating on endor so you have this kind of like ewokian sort of theme, right? This Ewok yeah. celebration music. And when you change that, that you're, that you're going to check in on all these different galaxy, uh, all these different locations throughout the Star Wars galaxy, you would change the thing to be more galactic in a sense, I suppose. So I get it. I do understand. I just have a, the, a, a an affinity for Yubnub. The Ewok theme can serve as that for the entire galaxy. And I mean, they the they Ew- owe the Ewoks, right? So And the Ewoks did what they couldn't do. So screw them. Yeah. So bend the knee to the Ewoks. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, as I, as I was initially alluding to, the the next big change came in 2004 when uh Sebastian Shaw 
Anakin Skywalker, old man Anakin Skywalker, was replaced by an out-of-eye-line version of Hayden Christensen as the ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Um, it. I, I feel like they've modified it a few more times since then, because when I watched it most recently, I was like, it looks better than I recall it looking back then when I first saw it. But yeah. it's still a little, it's still a little jarring. I'm, I'm just so used to seeing Sebastian Shaw as Anakin Skywalker, old man Anakin. Well, and it, as we should, it, you know, like it's not like, uh, um, it's not like they put Ewan McGregor on Obi Wan. Well, no, I mean, but I mean, you know, he as as a Jedi, he died as Alec Guinness, right? But I guess well, a- sure, but was Vader not a Jedi when he? When he died, he he killed the emperor. He according saved to, his his son. He he turned to the good side. According to George Lucas, that is false. That he what he died when he was Anakin Skywalker on uh, on the shores of Mustafar. Then who? I'm sorry, I'm about to swear. <laughs> who who threw the emperor over the bridge? Some robot man. Some yeah okay. Some robot man with a like no that that's one of those moronic things that George Lucas says that makes you realize the man has no idea what he's doing. I I sort of understand everything. I I I wouldn't use that exact wording. (laughs) No, me neither. That's extreme. Sorry, (laughs) but yeah, I mean it. It seems sort of I don't know uncool to remove Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, from that. But but I also feel like there's also there's also sort of like the disconnect because you know the the Star Wars timeline in '83 to what it became in like what '99 when when Phantom Menace came out changed a lot. You know, like there was a there was there was talk that like initially the Clone Wars were going to be when Obi Wan and Anakin were young, and then it wasn't the Fall of the Republic happened when they were older. Sure. And, and then things change. Lucas changed the story up, so it's yeah. much more like the Fall of the Republic and the Clone Wars are all at the same time. It's only twenty yeah. years from that to that. So having so Sebastian sad. Shaw be uh, uh, Luke's dad doesn't really jive. And I mean, technically, Alec Guinness as Obi Wan doesn't really jive anymore either. Exactly. Because, right. That's the thing. I I understand it. Maybe maybe they'll go back now and change it to Ewan McGregor's face on his, on the ghost body. But I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not in charge of that. I, that's not up for me to decide. Only if you can have the sweet mullet haircut from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> the man looked dang good in episode three, okay? I think he looked awesome in episode two. Well, you, and he had a mullet. You just you just <laughs> how, love a good mullet. That's all. It's... How do you pull that off? Well, as far as like the big changes, and again, I'm not going to underlie. I, I don't want to dismiss it. I love Yubnub. And sad that it's gone. Yes, me and, too. And I, if memory serves, last year we when we did uh, Ewok's Battle for Endor, no, not Battle for Endor, the first one, uh, Ewok Adventure. I included yes. Yubnub in our closing number, so because that's how much I love it. Yes, um, I I will also. Well, I, have you heard Hayden Christensen talk about this him being superimposed over sebastian shaw no no i haven't so or if i have i forgot you know be he he is he's aware of all the criticism of hayden christensen sure um but he's also aware of the criticism about this this particular scene and he has said 
that um, when that was filmed, he had no idea what was happening. That, <laughs> that George Lucas just took him into a room with a camera and said, uh, okay, now just, you know, like stand there and look at the camera and camera and whatever. And, and Christensen was trying to get direction out of him because he had no idea what he was doing or what it was for. And so that's probably why the eyeline is off. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So again, just give George Lucas, give the guy some direction and faster, more intense. Yeah. Like these are just, these are just simple fixes. Yeah, you know, I can't can't argue, but I mean, he he made a legacy that you and I are still talking about to this day. So you know, who who am I? And I love the yeah. movies. I don't care. You know, even 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 when Star Wars isn't great, like I still love it. Like I'm never gonna break up with it. Well, that's one of us. Oh well, we can. Get oh, I know I'm, you are referring to the sequel trilogy, and we can have that that discussion another day, sir. No, I'm not saying I've broken up with Star Wars. I'm just uh, more more critical and honest with myself about it. And, you know, you don't have to watch everything. You don't have to read everything. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I, I think it's fair to say, and I think we agree. And, and by all means, if, if we don't, please uh, feel free to speak up. But the special editions were, were a pretty big landmark. I mean, for, for, for you and I, you know, people of, of our, age bracket who grew up watching these movies on VHS and on, on TV whenever they were on, which yeah. back in the day wasn't, wasn't often, uh, getting to see them in the in theaters was insanely special. It was insanely fun. I know we all, I think we all went multiple times to each one yeah. uh, and, and had a blast every time we did it. And then, and then we started getting the prequels and, and, you know, again, we can we can have the discussion about the prequels another day. I've grown to appreciate them a lot over the years. I, I know I had some, and I think for a long time I was like the prequel apologist, and then everyone finally caught up to me, <laughs> which was nice. <laughs> I've kind of been full circle on it. I was an apologist, and then I hated them, and well, I guess not full circle because apologist to hating them to just kind of being indifferent, and you know, they're not good movies. But as I've said, I think on this podcast, I think they have good ideas behind them and, and I can appreciate them for what they are. And, and the fact that I think they are um, pretty original. They, they don't, you know, it's not like the same thing, but different. Right. It, they feel like their own original thing. Well, and, and I think the thing I've come around on is I've, and it's probably uh, getting older and maturing, hopefully, uh, you know, recognizing the fact that like for every person like each star wars whether it's the special editions or the the prequels is it those might have been someone's first time seeing it and that yeah. might have got them in into the whole thing yeah and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna diminish someone's experience it's like hey man you're here welcome to the party like let's just i'll have a good time so yeah. i i i've I, like i said i've come around all the way on on the on the well I, again, like you said, I think I misspoke a little bit because I've always been the, the prequel apologist. So, but now I, I don't even have to apologize anymore because there's, there's enough people that are just younger than me who love these movies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing with the special editions. The special editions have so many younger fans who that was their first time seeing Star Wars in any kind of context. 
you know right. and and so again this 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 conversation that you and I are having might be geared to a certain audience but i i i think it it uh i i think we're being cool about it right <laughs> like we we acknowledge like hey we're old guys we're just talking about star wars it's all good i mean look i don't know about your use of the term old guys but <laughs> uh I'm completely fine with the special editions. I'm not one of those people who rails on the internet. No, they're fun. So. They're they're fun, and like even the things I bump up against, like they they don't annoy me nearly as much as they used to. So like, I just have a good time watching all of them, and it's great that that so many people like this is their Star Wars. Like I'm okay with that, and I have yeah. my Star Wars, and it's it's all good. You know, it also doesn't doesn't uh, hurt that. They're the only version you can really watch, if you want to watch a nice looking version of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, you you can. Like, I mean, there's fans out there that are that have have taken, the, you know, versions of the other ones and they've cleaned them up on their own and they've restored them on their own and and then they sell them on the internet or whatever like that. But I mean, if you want to go to those links to find like a bootleg copy of the old cuts, you can. Like they exist. Um, but that's that's up to you. That's your that's your yeah. call. That's that's okay. Yeah. And and I support the fans who are are that adamant about their version of Star Wars. But I think you got to be appreciative that the party's gotten a lot bigger and a lot more diverse with the with the amount of new people who've come on board because of special editions and because of the prequels. And you know, in 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 ten fifteen years, you know, the sequel trilogy is going to have spawned another generation of fans too. And and like, you know, again, you and I have our opinions about the the, the sequel trilogy. But there's a whole generation coming up who loved them. <laughs> so there those, it is. Those those people need to be banned. <laughs> They're not allowed in the club. We're gonna hang a little sign on the door. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up, Mark. <laughs> this this is the Mandavision Podcast. This is our special Star Wars Podcast Day episode. Uh, we thank you so much for tuning in and listening to it. I th- I want to thank my brother Mark for hanging out and chatting with us. This is usually a one man operation on Man Division, but I appreciate Mark coming on two years in a row now for Podcast Day. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, ha- what, any closing thoughts you got, Mark? No. Okay. Well, you can find <laughs> if you're on social media, Mando underscore Vision, Twitter, Instagram, email the show MandovisionTom at gmail dot com. If you want to be a Mandovision maniac. Head over to Patreon.com. You can sign up. There's all kinds of cool people over there getting sweet bonus content. It's, uh, yeah, Patreon.com forward slash Mandovision. Head on over, check it out. Uh, and Mark, you know this. The podcast can only end one way. Which way is that? Now you're blowing it, Mark. I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is the way. Oh. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.